Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Ineptus Astartes. Folks, it's Adepticon week. Yes, yes, that's right. It is finally here. After months and months of procrastination, excitement, and everything else, we are just a few short hours away from at least the biggest convention that I get to go to. So, pretty big day for me. Hopefully it's a big day for you. Put together a little show here today to talk about a couple new things, uh, talk a little bit about the releases that we've been seeing. That won't take long. Um, and answer a couple questions and then uh, start off. I had planned today to start talking about a new series about heavy support options because it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And that's definitely something that you'll see on the next episode. But then, holy crap, last Thursday they dropped Demon Rules. Or last week, they dropped Demon Rules. I mean, oh my gosh. So we definitely got to talk about this. And uh, later on, I'll have my friend Ben come on, and uh, he will be helping me go through that and talk about that as well. All right, first question, and um, I was actually glad to get this question because it's a good one, especially for people thinking about starting new projects. Probably a lot of people are going to go to Adepticon, and let's, you know, I'm going to be pretty busy with Horus Heresy, but it always seems to happen, you know, when you get a chance to scroll stroll around and take a look at the other games, you get your interest peaked by one thing or another. I am going to be taking a break from painting Horus Heresy after Adepticon and maybe work on my very first Age of Sigmar project. I've got a box of those squigs, the Battle Force, that I'm really anxious to paint up as just a variety, something new and different. Um, but for those who hopefully come and see us at the Horus Heresy room, maybe you'll be inspired to start a new project. Or maybe you're already a player and you're going to see something and get energized for thinking about what you want to do next time. So without further ado, here's the question. Should I buy the new box? <laughs> a very simple question um, with a, a very simple answer. I'm going to say yes, absolutely. Uh, the Age of Darkness box is, I think it's going up in price. However, I do think it is still an excellent value for you to get into the game, especially if you're brand new to things. Uh, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got 40 Marines. It's got 10 Cataphracti Terminators. Uh, two HQ choices, a Contemptor Dreadnought, and a Spartan, a nice tank that you can fit a lot of that stuff into. Uh, there's enough resale going on that you could, if you decide not to use some of that stuff, you can put it someplace else. The biggest thing I want to talk about, though, is the fact that you've got those 40 Marine bodies and the ability to do a lot of different stuff with them. So one thing that has been discouraging and is a little bit alleviated with the recent announcement of the impending despoiler arms is the fact that the arms that you're going to get with this box are just going to be essentially bolter um, equivalent arms. Or I mean, I suppose you could use them for special weapons, heavy weapon squads as well. But it's not a lot of option there. If you want to do something different, you're going to have to source out some maybe 3D printed arms or grab some arms off of other resin kits or spend however much money these resin uh, despoiler arms end up costing. Um, we haven't really talked about that yet, but I will say that I think this the the 10 arms in that resin kit are just not probably going to be, I don't know. I mean, if you want that, great, but the variety is going to be very limited. You can also get just basic chain swords out of the old Mark IV boxes, and if you got buddies, I'm sure you could ask around and just find some. I don't think that itself is going to be worth it. But regardless, the 40 bodies you get from the main box, if you were to buy 
40 bodies right there, it'd be $160 if you're going to get the tactical squads just in those boxes of 20 that the uh, the GW offers. And then when you look at all the other stuff that's in the box and the added value, it 100% is a bargain and a deal for all that stuff you can do. The biggest thing is that how are you going to add variety or differentiate between them? Not everybody is sold on the beaky heads. So you're going to want to take a look at what legion you're looking at and honestly whether or not you like the variety of heads. I will say this. I've played around with them a little bit. And if you are not keen on spending the money for the new Mark VI uh, upgrade kits, I think the Mark IV heads look fine on the Mark VI bodies. And many of the custom heads from your different legions will also look fine on them as far as scale. It doesn't really, it, it doesn't matter at all. So there's a, you can still do a lot of customization if you just want to get rid of those heads. And quite honestly, for me anyway, the Mark VI looks enough like the Mark IV that you can sort of get away with some stuff there. I know, for example, uh, one of the squads I'm going to be taking to Adepticon, though, I am going full-on Iron Hands Mark VI with the beaks and everything. But that's part of my lore that this is a squad of late arrivals to the heresy this is going to be a squad that is showing up to beta garmin for basically their first conflicts ever and so they're fresh blood they are totally untested and they've got just the basic armor that you know everyone comes out of the factory with so no bells and whistles on the armor gonna give me a chance just to paint them normal but have them stand out a little bit because a lot of what I'm using for the rest of my force is like Mark III with the uh, special Iron Hands stuff. So it'll be a nice variety. It'll look different. And I think that's really the key. Someone else asked me before, uh, just generally speaking, do you think you should theme your forces to armor marks? And I think you absolutely can. But just keep in mind that especially if you're considering setting your force in a late heresy setting, like... People are going to be wearing whatever armor they can. There's a reason that Mark V, which is constantly, or, you know, I mean, it's, they don't have it in plastic anywhere, do they? No, they don't have it in plastic anywhere. But Mark V is generally referred to as the heresy era armor because it's just like slapping together whatever you can put on there. There's tons of rivets on everything from being re repaired and stuff like that. And I think mixing and matching armor pieces and definitely having different squads with different armor types within your force is totally valid, especially, like I said, if you are imagining that this is an army that is fighting late in the heresy when supplies are dwindling, when the resupply isn't 100%, especially if you are a loyalist force. Uh, in the stories, uh, a lot of the Mark IV, the newest armor at the outset of the heresy, Horus was supplying that and pushing that towards his uh, traitor, traitor brothers and their legions. So it makes sense for a Mark IV to show up a lot in the, uh, well, it makes, it makes sense for it to show up everywhere, but especially when you're looking at the legions that would be become or announce their betrayal at Isfan V and whatever else. But if you're going late heresy, then honestly, like anything goes. So we are going to get to demons very shortly and uh, at least the tease of demons that we've been given and talk about how exciting that is. But there are some other things that have come out in the last little bit of time. Uh, I'm not going to cover all of it, but there have been some confirmed prices for stuff that, oh, oh man, I was hoping not to have to be right about, um, but um, it's not so great. To try to get through this, um, we're going to have to make a perilous journey, a journey that many a wargamer has had to make in their time. Uh, some have never returned, but 
all eventually will have to tread this path. So to talk to you about this next bit, we're headed to the salt mines. Oh man, sure is dark down here. Bitter, cold. Well, let's just take a little quick trip. Let's get out of here fast. Better keep a lookout though, you never know who you're gonna run into down here. Wait a second. I think I see somebody. Is that... Is that Duncan from the Accountability Buddies podcast? What's good, brother? Oh man, good to see you. What's got you down in the mines? Um, you know, I, uh... <sighs> I, uh, I kind of did the math on how much it would cost to make 40 Mark 6 assault marines. You know, just for the arms. Ugh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, there's, uh... There, there's only one chain axe in that kit, Ned. One chain axe. Just one. Yeah. You alone down here? No, no, uh, Jacob. Jacob's down here somewhere, too. Um, uh, not really certain where yet. Um, or at the moment. I'm gonna go grab him and head on out. See you, Schomburg, man. Absolutely, man. Wait, what's got Jacob so heated? 39 dollars for a head and a chest piece? So, I mean, basically, I think Jacob summed it up best. There are always going to be choices that a company makes in order to sell their product that you you have. I mean, you've got the right to disagree with those things. Um, endless releases of tanks on Heresy Thursdays. Not everybody likes tanks. I've enjoyed them, but I can see why some people are upset. I haven't really had that much of a complaint about it. The dripping of the heads and shoulders, you know... I would have liked to see more things or whatever, but overall, I've really liked the sculpts, and um, I think they're definitely good products to pick up, so I've enjoyed that as well. Um, the despoiler set being resin only, uh, the fact that we still don't have new plastic infantry other than essentially tactical bodies or equivalents, like those are things that I'm a little annoyed with or whatever, but honestly, I think it is this uh, this pricing on the dreadnought bodies and heads spending more to get less is really annoying me and and i mean i'm i'm going to be salty about it now admittedly like if you're starting a new project i do think that you shouldn't have more than a couple dreadnoughts in your list anyway uh so it's not like you're going to need to buy a ton of different variety or whatever else um so i mean if you really do want this new upgrade kit and you missed a chance to get you know the the Forge World ones before they went off off um, you know off the store. Uh, I guess I guess buying one of these things just for the variety or something is it's not it's not going to break the bank or whatever, but it is a pretty sad uh, development and change. And I'm really curious as to why this change was made at all, especially with you know the, the detail on those custom Forge World dreads for arms and legs that are you know going to be lost. What would be interesting uh, to, for me, though, is to see what, if anything, happens with, like, the other legions that still don't have, for example, Leviathan Dreadnoughts um, or Praetors. Is this change going to signal the end of that? Because everybody should have a Contemptor now, or they did, but that was more of a push for last edition. We haven't seen a new update. What was the most recent Praetor set we saw? Oh, the Death Guard. But there are lots of legions that still don't have those. And so hopefully, I don't know, 
as I'm the time I'm recording this, we have like 14 hours until the uh, Adepticon reveal. So maybe we'll see some of that. I would really hope we see at least one uh, new set of Praetors out of the release tonight. But we will see. I just want to say this. I try really hard not to be salty on this podcast. I try really hard not to be negative. And because I don't think it's it does you any good, honestly, to get upset or, or angry about, I don't know, the way a game runs runs itself, the way a company runs itself. If you don't like that, then you, we are not obligated to play this thing. We can move on. There are the companies that are making games, doing other things. We can put our money there if we really, really want to. Doesn't mean we can't um, offer suggestions or be upset or, you know, concerned or have grievances about things. But it doesn't benefit us to get so worked up that the the fun experience stops being fun. That being said, sometimes a move is made that, in my opinion, is so boneheaded. I've got to make a comment about it. So hopefully that's the end of such salty, relatively salty behavior. I'm tired. I've been painting for Adepticon like every night until like 2 a.m. So... Ignore me here or indulge me here for a moment, folks. But anyway, now let's move on to something way more exciting. Well, folks, I'll take credit for this. All I had to do was release an episode of the podcast in which I complained once more about the lack of rules for demons so that I couldn't do a review, proper review on the Esoterist. Um, And here they are. So I'm joined here by my friend uh, who I've now decided I'm going to start calling him Dark Apostle Ben. Say hello, Ben. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we are going to go over this most recent exemplary battle and just take a look about this. Wow, I mean, man, it would have been nice if this would have dropped like two weeks or three weeks before Adepticon for all of the demon um, fans out there. But uh, I imagine there's a couple of people right now who are frantically putting things together. Oh, I'm sure. To include this stuff. Yeah. So uh, the burning of on Mott is an exemplary battle, and it's giving us the first tease, really the first interesting tease, at what the demon rules could end up being like. So this is Sunday before Adepticon, and literally I I just flew over here to record at Ben's house. You can hear the spawn in the basement, and uh, my first microphone is broken, and my backup microphone is at school. So if it sounds like it's being recorded on the desktop microphone of a MacBook, well, guess what? It is being recorded on the standard uh, factory microphone. So Ineptus Astartes in practice as well as name. Without further ado, here we go. So, like I said, this is only a teaser because it's only like the start of these rules. However, there's some cool stuff in here that we need to talk about. And then also we can talk about how it maybe gives us hints as to what's probably coming or what we should be able to expect once the full rules come out sometime this summer. So there's a new type, um, the Bound Unit subtype and the Bound Malefica special rule. The units presented here represent demons that are called from the warp and bound to the service of a summoner through, like, ritual, as opposed to stuff that just kind of pops through the warp of its own uh, of its own volition. So there are specific things here, uh, specific due to the specific nature. This supplementary list, they have the Bound subtype and the Bound Malefica special rule, which modifies the demon unit type accordingly. Now, demon was included as a unit type in the original book, so we knew that they would be in this edition, but we had been waiting for forever to see what that actually meant and how that worked. But yes, the bound subtype. So here we go. Models with the bound subtype do not modify their strength and toughness according to the current game turn, as is detailed in the demon unit type. So that was one rule from first edition that we 
suspected and that we saw for sure was going to pass on in the first edition, they were stronger earlier on in the game. And then every turn beyond, they lost one strength and toughness, right? So, yeah. And now they start off with plus one strength and toughness on turns one and two at no modifier on turns three and four, and then minus one on five and six. And if it goes to game turn seven, it's minus two. Okay, so game turn seven, that's rough, but there are very few standard missions that have any of that. You're not going to see it very often, no. I can't imagine you will. So that's interesting that that is still continuing, but that does not apply at all. That you don't. So they're no stronger in the early turns, and they're no weaker later on. So that's interesting. Okay, so while there are no models... From the same army, with both the Psyker unit subtype and the independent character special rule on the battlefield, or embarked upon a unit with the transport subtype that is on the battlefield, models of the bound subtype suffer a penalty of minus one to the strength of toughness characteristics down to a minimum value of one. So the first time I read through this, I didn't see that it was not only Psyker, but also independent character. What this means is that you are going to definitely need to be probably maxing out on psychers or trying to take as many psyker characters as you can, at least two, yeah. to guarantee that these models are still strong. And also, we'll talk about it in a minute, so that you can even get them on the board. Right. Yep. Okay. During deployment, in order for units entirely composed of the models of the bound subtype to be deployed on the field, a model from that same army with the psyker unit subtype, not the same detachment, but the same army, and the independent character special rule, which is already deployed or embarked, uh, upon a unit with a transport subtype, which is already deployed, must make a success a psychic check for each unit one at a time. For each successful check, a single unit containing models with the bound subtype may be deployed as normal, but once a psychic check is failed, that and all further units containing models of the bound subtype must be placed in reserves. Their controlling player may choose not to make a psychic check for any unit containing models of the bound subtype. So they, you don't have to deploy them. Instead, you can place them directly into reserve and then allow psychic checks to be made to deploy any further units containing models of the bound subtype. Note that failing a psychic check in this manner does not, not, not inflict perils of the warp. So a couple things that I think are really interesting about this. One thing that I was worried about, uh, you are not going to perils for taking these, which is great. Yeah. Uh, two, you can take, you can test as many times as you want. Um and continue and going through so you can deploy your whole army potentially yeah potentially um and then but what if you screw up it stops but if you screw up it stops yep. so if you fail a check you're done for the turn but you don't necessarily have to worry about i mean you can still do it again next round yeah and it says they can be deployed and even embarked so this is like yeah. one of the few rules in which that power interacts even if you're not technically on the board because you're within that vehicle right yeah okay so one of the things that's interesting here to me, though, is that this can happen during deployment. So you can roll for this before the game even starts. So they can start on the field yep. in this way. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, they have to be placed in reserves, and then you have to worry about the reserves rolls or whatever. But you can have your detachment of these brutes or whatever else uh, hop on the board yep. right away at the start of the game, which mm -hmm. is cool. Yeah. Okay, next rule. Units placed in reserve, which are entirely composed of models of the bound subtype, do not have reserve rolls made for them. Instead, the controlling player 
may have a model with the psychic subtype and the independent character special rule make a psychic check when reserves rolls will be made in order for them to enter play from reserves as normal. So as normal reserves, meaning it's you're going to wait until turn two yep. and other things. Note that models of the bound subtype from reserves, see here, and does not affect special deployment types such as deep strike assaults and breach the veil psychic power. Very interesting there. You can bring them on the table right from the start of the game. Otherwise, they can be deployed through their normal reserves sort of thing. But you have to have that independent character on the board. Now, thankfully here, uh, well, Ben is going to read to us about the, the there's, a, there's a way to, to do something or get around a perceived problem for me, which is the fact that independent characters that are also psychers are not always easy to come by unless you want to just spam librarians or a librarian, an esoterist, or maybe if you're a word bearer, um, or other things. But uh, they do have a warlord trait, which is helpful for this sort of thing. Indeed. So the malefic supplicant warlord trait. A warlord with this trait gains the psyker unit subtype, but does not gain any psychic disciplines, psychic weapons, or psychic powers. However, they may make psychic checks in order to deploy bound demon units at the start of the mission, or to bring bound demon units into play from reserves. In addition, an army whose warlord has this trait may make an additional reaction during their opponent's assault phase, as long as the warlord has not been removed as a casualty. So I like this for a number of reasons. One is that you can, I mean, first of all, it fits in with the idea of like some of these renegade marines that just kind of immerse themselves in, you know, the arcana of the demon and so like they like people who aren't necessarily psychers they're still like summoning they still know the rituals whatever else yeah. well the other thing is that you can you can actually put this onto like a um you know if you want to include a rite of war and be able to summon demons you're gonna have some hq tax problems but you can put this on a delgatus yep. you can put this on a praetor whatever mm -hmm. Um, so that you're still counting as having more psychers, so you don't lose the chance to summon. Yep, absolutely. Okay, the next rule is the Bound Malefica rule, and units entirely composed of models of the Bound Malefica special rule are considered to be part of the Ruminstorn Demon Army for the purposes of special rules which allow them to be included in an attachment drawn from different army lists, mm -hmm. or which grants Ruminstorm Demon units an alternate method of deploying from reserves, such as the Legion Esoterists breach the Veil psychic power, or the High Chaplain Erebus's harbinger of special—I'm sorry, harbinger of chaos special rule. You're an Erebus fan. Can you talk to us about that? I don't know. Fan's the right word, right? But he's he's fun in mm -hmm. that he's such a vile thing. Mm -hmm. um, so with the word bears, of course, you can get your Diabolist. You can get the burning lore on your Praetor. You don't need the Warlord trait uh, to fill out your rank with psychers. So talk to us about Erebus. All right, so Erebus. So he is the Harbinger of Chaos. So a detachment that includes High Chaplain Erebus may select up to three non-compulsory elites or HQ choices from the Ruinstorm Demon Army list and the Bound Demon Army list now as well. These choices are paid for in points and occupy slots in the Force Organization chart as normal, but may must begin the battle in reserves and may only enter play by means of the Breach the Veil Psychic Power. He also has the Psychic Discipline Harbinger of Chaos, which gives him the Breach the Veil Psychic Power, as well as Etheric Lightning, just like the Esoterist. So, and that, is, that, is that tied to his Warlord trait? or is No, that, that's okay. just a special rule attached to him. Okay. 
Awesome. So he can he can come in as a supporting character and help you do all sorts of shenanigans with this if you so wish. Absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah, so let's talk about the Esoteris then because, you know, I snubbed him and skipped over him, but now we need to. So uh, the Esoterist is a Psyker subtype, and it also gains the Anathema Discipline. In addition, with uh, the an army with a traitor allegiance that includes one or more of these may, suge- may select up to three non-compulsory troops or elites from the Ruin Demon- Ruinstorm Demon list. So it's essentially very similar to, like you said, it's basically Erebus. A special, er- Erebus is essentially a special character. Uh, Esoterist, yes. Esoterist, yeah, okay. So all of that other stuff is exactly the same, worded exactly the same way, and they have to be in reserve, and they can only come in through Breach the Psychic Veil. Okay, so an Esoterist may exchange a power weapon, bolt pistol, or combi bolter for a force weapon at no additional points cost. Uh, it's interesting that they can exchange the combi bolter for a force weapon. Yeah. Uh, because then you can have, I mean, you could have dual, two, two melee uh, Esoterist in um, Terminator armor or something. Yeah. That would be fun to model. That might have to happen. Yeah, I think it will. Okay. Um, or it may exchange a bolt pistol for an Arcutech pistol for 10 points. Okay. Allegiant Esoterist may also take a Psychic Hood for 20 points. I think that's more expensive than the Librarian's cost is by 5 points. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure. So the, we talked about it before, but the, the Psychic Hood, basically, if someone else does a Psychic Test within, I believe it's 18 inches of you, they lose two a leadership for that test. So it's pretty big. Yeah. But let's get to the good stuff. All right. Seal the Veil Psychic Power. This is where, where it's at. Instead of making a shooting attack, a Psyker with this Psychic Power may select a single enemy unit composed entirely of models with a demon unit type or corrupted unit subtype that is within line of sight and has at least one model within the psyker all models in the target unit must reduce their strength and toughness by one until the end of the target unit's controlling player's next turn the controlling player of the psyker using this power may then choose to make a psychic check if the check is passed then the target unit also suffers perils of the warp and if the check is failed, then both the target and the Psyker, using this power, suffer perils of the warp. So perils for everybody. Yep. Perils so, all around. Perils all around. Now, what's interesting about this, though, is that this was something you would use offensively against Psykers, yep. which is pretty cool. Um, and while we uh, noted about before, for the special rules, the Esoterist can bring extra demon units, but it says only if you're a traitor. Right. So you can bring an Esoterist as a loyalist. You yep. 100% could. And I definitely think there are some legions that would really, I mean, I think I would do that, especially if I knew I was playing against a local group with demons or something. That would actually be pretty fun. But the next power is the Breach the Veil Psychic Power. And instead of making a shooting attack, a Psyker with this Psychic Power may select a point within 12 inches and at least 3 inches away from enemy models or impassable terrain, place the Blast Marker to represent the Warp Rift until this power is resolved. The controlling player may then choose to make a psychic check for the Esoterist. If the check is failed or not taken, then the chosen point is scattered, like normal, uh, the way you'd scatter anything. If it scatters onto impossible terrain within three inches of an enemy model or off the battlefield, then the Esoterist suffers the perils of the warp, and then the chosen point is moved the minimum distance required in the direction of the controlling player's choice to place it clear of all impassable terrain and at least three inches away from any enemy model. If the check is passed, the warp rift doesn't scatter. Once the final location is chosen, the Esoterist controlling player may choose to deploy up to one of the Ruined Demon Storm units in reserve onto the battlefield. That player may choose to place no units if they wish. 
That unit moves onto the battlefield from any point along the edge of that blast marker as if they were entering play from reserves, treating the warp rift marker as though it were the controlling player's battle edge. Once all models in the unit have moved onto the battlefield, the warp rift marker is removed from play. The demon unit brought into play with this power may be targeted by interceptor reaction and may act as normal in the shooting phase in which it resides, arrives and may declare a charge in the assault phase in which they enter play, which is a big deal. Note, to use this power, a player will need to access the Runestorn Demon Army list, which, of course, we don't have yet. Thanks for nothing. Okay. <laughs> Void darts, though. So they get a shooting attack as well. 18-inch um, range, strength 5, AP 4, assault 12, sanctic, deflagrate, and psychic focus. Psychic focus is the one, the rule, of course, where it says you have to make a check to even start to use the thing. If you fail, you don't use the thing. Sanctic is the uh, weapon to the special rule. Always wound demons on a two, and any successful and vulnerable saves made by the model must be re-rolled. Uh, so while this is only AP4, uh, this is a pretty potent power against demons. Oh, yeah. You're going to make people take you're going to make people take uh, and re-roll their invulnerable saves. Assault 12, ballistic skill, probably I mean it's probably this is on a, a character with a BS5, so yep. it's probably gonna hit on twos. So pretty decent power. Yeah. Okay. So the Esoteris has a purpose now. It does. And if you bought that cool new model, then boy, I bet you're thinking about building into this next list. So what are we doing? What are we doing slowing things down by talking about old rules? Let's get back to our demon review so you can think about how much fun you're about to have. (laughs) Okay. So the next thing to talk about is that there are a number of etheric dominion rules. And these are essentially chapters, structures, whatever, special rules... Um, the same sort of way, the clanning that you would expect to get specific subtypes and setups for your um, for your demons uh, rules. Demonic hosts. Demonic hosts, yes. Each of them remem- uh, represents one of the innumerable hosts. And um, let's see, what else does it say? So you do have to keep them separate. So if one... If one uh, model does have one of these special rules, it cannot join others. There's no mixing and matching, which makes sense because demons are fickle. And the only thing demons hate more than everything else is other demons, probably. That's right. Chaos is fickle. But you can include multiple hosts within the detachment. Correct. Which is fun. Which is fun. So you could definitely include a do, do a sort of like chaos, quote, undivided, temporarily undivided sort of thing, if you so wished. Which would be definitely fun. You could paint them different ways. You could model different ways. Lots of stuff to do. Oh yeah, there. it's this wide open field. Okay, so the first uh, the first dominion we're going to talk about is the uh, encroaching ruin, and when a unit entirely composed of models with this special rule and the demon unit type fails a morale check, it only suffers a single automatic wound with no saves of any uh, kind instead of the D three wounds as specified in the demon unit type. In addition, models with this special rule gain the move through cover special rule. Okay, move through cover is great. It is. Um, Especially for an army list. Well, we'll see in a little bit. It's going to be pretty much melee focused. Yeah. So the ability to move through cover is already good. Um, The ability to just suffer a single automatic wound instead of D3 is, I mean, it's still pretty good. It's nice. It will prevent you in most situations from having to worry about losing a model. As opposed to just taking a wound or whatever else. Yeah. 
Um, this seems like sort of like the generic, let's get started and use this one. Um, but it's definitely good. Definitely has its place. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be deploying through Breach the Rift and you're going to be trying to essentially deep strike some demons, not having to worry about cover as you move through that. Yeah. Sounds pretty great. All right. The Etheric Dominion of the Heedless Slaughter. A unit entirely composed of models with this special rule must declare a charge, if able, when they begin the assault phase within 8 inches of an enemy unit. If there is more than one eligible target, the controlling player chooses the target of any charges made so long as that charge is within 8 inches. Note that this does not allow models with this special rule to charge a different unit to one that they made a shooting attack against in the previous shooting phase, even if they have made shooting attacks against a unit which is farther than eight inches away, and there are eligible targets for a charge within eight inches. Additionally, a unit entirely composed of models with this special rule adds plus one to the score used to determine if they win a combat in the assault phase. This modifier is cumulative with other modifiers to combat resolution and adds plus one to the value of any rolls made to determine the result of a sweeping advance. What do you think about this one? It's, I mean, it's very cornate. It's nice. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I like the eight inches because mm-hmm. corn. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, I like the fact that um, I like the fact that you get a plus one to your combat resolution and honestly probably the plus one to sweeping advances as well. Just because for a um, for an army like this, uh, to have a little bit better chance at doing that sweep and destroying a unit that you've beaten, especially when you're going to be factoring in other things like fear and whatever else that are going to be limiting leadership and changing some of that stuff. That's good. Um, I'm not huge on the, the the benefits of this are not necessarily, like, huge. And the drawback is kind of a pain. But then again, if you're playing a close combat-themed army you are probably gonna charge anyway yeah it's very appropriate yeah i think so too the one interesting thing about this is that then if you so like if you are concerned about getting trapped into a um into a sort of situation where you are being forced to charge like a tar pit unit Mm -hmm. right then you can shoot something else yeah and then go after (laughs) and then go after that one or even if it's an impossible charge just just not charge so, like, um, that is an interesting option that you can, like, find your way out of it if you yeah. have a shooting attack on that unit. So, I think it's definitely, I mean, it's not it's not soul-crushing. No. And, I mean, I believe in uh, in the first edition there were a couple of, and I'm not sure if, I can't remember if it was a demon rule or not, but there was a couple factions where it was, like, if somebody's within 12 inches, you got to try to charge them. Yeah. And, I mean, like, this is not that. Within 8 <laughs> inches, it's still, it's a makeable charge. Yeah. And if you're fast enough, you're probably getting a plus 1 Anyway, so like it's definitely makeable. So this isn't Certainly. it's not hamstringing. It's not powerful, but it's no. not terrible. All right, the next one is the formless distortion. And when selecting a combat at the beginning of the fight subphase, roll a D3 for each unit composed entirely of models with this special rule that is locked in combat. All close combat attacks made by that model in the combat with this special rule gain an additional special rule corresponding with the D3 D3 roll until the end of that combat phase. So if you roll a one, it's coruscating ectoplasma, which gives you concussive one and lance, which is pretty great. Um, lance is that ability that treats all armor as uh, armor 12, essentially nothing higher than 12. So depending on the unit that you're on, this means you've got a really nice chance to 
chunk through land raiders or whatever else. Um, lashing, oh, concussive, of course, is the one that can lower um, weapon skill. And so, you know, you get a better chance to hit and a better chance to avoid being hit. Yeah, and that's great as well in this edition. Uh, lashing pseudopods reach one, so you're striking one faster, which is great. It's very nice. It's very nice. Vorpal talons, which give you shred and sunder. So you're going to reroll wounds or you're going to reroll armor pen. Um, those are all great rules. Yep. The biggest problem I see with this is that you could very easily be like, uh, like, okay, so this feels very changey to me. Oh, so yeah. I don't know. I'm feeling zinch, but you know, whatever. I could see it. I could see yeah. yourself putting it on like a, a slanesh looking mob or something as well. But you're running into like a, a big squad of tacticals and you roll concussive and lance. I mean, concussive is still helpful. Concussive is still helpful. I think the fact that you're not necessarily sure that you're going to get something. The one thing that's nice about this, um, unless you're going against vehicles, like straight up vehicles, mm -hmm. that is the only situation where you are going to potentially get nothing that's from true. this. Because reach won't matter when right. you're punching a tank. Yeah. Um, but in... In all, and if you're fighting a vehicle, getting lance and sunder is going to be good. Yeah. If you're fighting against infantry, concussive or shred are both good. So they're definitely and oh, reach is great too, of course. Yeah. So this is this is fine, but again, it's like it's entirely unpredictable. But yeah. maybe that's just what makes it fun. I think it is. You think it is? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Next up, Ben. All right. Putrid corruption. Uh, hello, Nurgle. <laughs> Models with this special rule gain the heavy unit subtype and may make an additional corrupted resilience roll to avoid being wounded. This is a damage mitigation roll, which is made after unsaved wounds are suffered. Corrupted resilience rolls may not be taken against unsaved wounds that have at least one of the following special rules. Instant death, psychic focus, or force. To make a corrupted resilience roll, roll a d6 each time an unsaved wound is suffered. On a result of 6+, the unsaved wound is discounted, treated as, have been, as having been saved. On any other result, the wound is taken as normal. Okay. Yeah, I do appreciate that some of these are just like... Like, they're like, for whatever reason, like, we're not going to say the resilient. name. We're not going to say the name, but like, you know, yeah. you get it. Mm -hmm. A little wink. A little wink. Um, so it is disgustingly resilient, only it's not a 5+, it's a 6+. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean... It's cute, but a five up would be nice. Um, there might be end up being ways to improve this. Hopefully, within the maybe with the demons of the ruin storm, we'll see a better version of this rule. Yeah, but or like you said, maybe a way that like it, it natively improves if you've got a a pot that carry type something. You know, yeah, that would definitely a five up. A five up feel more pain on demons, which we know are going to be multi wound models, which we know are going to have high toughness. I mean, it it will add benefit for yeah. sure okay next up we have the ravenous dissolution great name uh any models with this special rule add plus one to hit rolls during the first round of any close combat where they're locked in combat with a unit containing at least one of the uh one model of the either the demon unit type corrupted or psyker unit type or the independent character <laughs> unit type Demons, they ruined demon land. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, going right after ourselves. That's fine. The effects of the special rule only apply when a unit which it ha which has it begins an assault phase not locked in combat and then either charges or is charged. 
if an enemy unit charges this unit when it is already locked, um, it does not count as a new first turn. Okay. So plus one to hit's fantastic. And the ability to go against specific types, um, demons, plus one to hit against other demons. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Corrupted or Psyker unit types. But for me, the independent character type is the one that stands out. Yeah. So, like, if you're taking a small detachment of demons and you're quite literally using, like, a demon bomb to drop on your opponent's Death Star yeah. and try to, like, countercharge and take up some things, whatever, I can see this being really, really useful. Sure. Um, it's altogether not that powerful, um, but it's definitely fluffy. And again, because yeah. you can use you can use multiples of them. Like having one unit yeah. with this subtype, I think would be really potentially powerful. Yep. Or, you, or think about it that way. Yeah, you can suit your list to task. Yeah, exactly. All right, next up, sir. All right, rapturous sensation. <laughs> On a turn in which they make a successful charge, unless that charge is disordered, models with this special rule make their attacks in an assault at one initiative step higher than normal. After any initiative modifier from other special rules have been taken into account, units entirely composed of models with this special rule also gain a bonus of plus one to the distance they can move as part of all run moves, charge moves, and any move they make as part of a reaction. Additionally, units entirely composed of models with this special rule must re-roll all failed initiative tests to determine if they suffer the effects of the blind special rule, as well as all failed leadership tests to determine if they suffer the effects of the concussive special rule. Because they just want to drown in that sensation. Yeah. Um, this is great. Yeah. This is really, really excellent. Um, I mean, blind and concussive are not super common things. No. But just being sure, basically, that you're like not going to be entirely hosed by them is great. You're more likely. Oh, no. Reroll all failed. Yeah. I'm sorry, I misread that. No, it's really strange because it says must reroll all failed. So, like, yeah. you, I, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't want to reroll it, but it's you must. Yeah. So, whatever. Um, the, the first time I read this rule, the wording of the... And on a turn in which they may make a successful charge, unless that charge is disordered, models of this special rule make their attacks at one step... Assault at one initiative step higher than normal... After, I was like, why is this so complicated? But the reason why is it's because they don't want to double up on reach. Right. Or power fists. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, basically, it's it's the same. And actually, I wonder if it's, it's exactly the same as the Emperor's Children rule. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. So, regardless, you're getting an additional plus one. So, um, you're getting a plus one for initiative. And when you charge, and a plus one for... Um, the distance on run moves, charges, and any move they make as part of reaction. That's great. Yeah. A plus one to charge is already fantastic. Um, presuming you can put this on a unit that has at least a movement skill eight or movement characteristic of eight, then you're theoretically getting a plus two base on your charges, which is wild. Yeah. Um, the uh, striking faster initiative is really excellent. I think this is going to be a top one. Oh, yeah. I could see a lot of armies themed around something like this. Certainly. Okay. All right. Next up. Malevolent Artifice. Short and sweet. Models of this special rule may reroll all failed armor saves taken against any wounds resolved at a strength value lower than their toughness characteristic. This special rule has no effect on cover saves or invulnerable saves. Okay, so especially in the first couple of rounds, and pr we're presuming that these same... Dominions are going to be applied to the demon, the Ruinstorm demons' main Problem. rules when it comes out. 
a lot of the demons that we know about, or at least definitely the ones in this PDF, have a higher toughness than four. And so think about the fact that you can have, for example, um, bound demon brutes, which we'll talk about more specifically in a little bit. They're a toughness five mm -hmm. with a four plus armor save. And if you go with this special rule, then you can re-roll all failed saves against yeah. like bolters or chain swords or whatever else. Yep. So, I mean, this this is a really, it's it, there's almost no wording here. You don't need it to be that complicated for it to just be very good. Yep, simple and effective. Yeah, and there are going to be a lot of, there are going to be a lot of uh, weapons that end up falling under this category, so you're going to be able to use it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I could especially see this on like a bodyguard unit, or if you're trying to make an anvil unit or some sort of tar pit of some kind. Yeah. That'd be quite effective. Mm -hmm. um, you're just going to stay in that fight for a little long time. Yeah. All right, last but not least, or maybe last and least, we'll talk about it in a second. The Infernal Tempest. Models with this special rule gain the Hammer of Wrath 1 special rule, or if they already have a version of the Hammer of Wrath special rule, they increase the value in brackets by plus 1. All wounds inflicted by any variant of the Hammer of Wrath special rule possessed by a unit with this special rule also gain the Deflagrate special rule. <laughs> Additionally, models with this special rule gain a shooting attack with the following profile. Elemental Eruption. Range 8 inches. Strength User. AP 5. Type Assault 2. Deflagrate Retaliation. And what does that retaliation special rule do? Well, <laughs> attacks may only be made using weapons with this special rule as part of a reaction and automatically hit the target unit without need to roll to hit. All right, so this one's, this is weird. <laughs> this is a weird, this is weird. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the first one first. Deflagrate, Hammer of Wrath. Yeah, they're coming in hot. Yeah, they are quite literally coming in. The Infernal Tempest is coming in hot. It's cool. Um, Hammer of Wrath is resolved normally at your strength. Or if you already have Hammer of Wrath from something else, your strength plus one. A lot of demons are going to have... Decent to better than decent strength. Absolutely. So you're likely to wound. Um, no AP on this, so still everybody's going to get their saves, but you do have the deflagrate option on there oh, as yeah. well. So Hammer of Wrath, uh, we've, I've talked about it a lot on this channel, but like, again, it is the ones that go base to base. So yeah. you have to land base to base. You can't pile in and get this. So you're not going to get it as consistently, or you're not going to see it come into play as much as you're going to want it to. It's slightly better... In that situation, so that yeah. a regular Hammer of Wrath. So it's really niche. It's super niche. And I mean, it's fun and it's really cinematic to think about. I'll probably include at least one unit with it eventually at some point. Do you think so? Oh, absolutely. Just I mean, for the hell of it. If you were going to use like a, like a, uh, if you're going to model something using like Flamers of Zinch or something like that, that yeah. might be kind of fun. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But then the, uh, the weapon is. Yeah. You get two automatic hits back as part of a reaction. Yeah. Okay. It's... <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, like, you can use it as... It basically, it's it, fun. It, it's fun. It, it's, it has to be done as a reaction. Um, so, is the only the only time you'd be get to do that is... Well, I guess you could do Return Fire mm -hmm. or... Overwatch. Overwatch. Yeah. Now... It's only got strength or only range eight. So if they charge you from nine inches away, you don't get to do this. And if they shoot you from nine inches away, 
you gotta, also don't get to do this. You gotta be danger close. You gotta be danger close. This is, I think, this is my least favorite <laughs> of them. And it's really fun, but just the fact that it's a, it's a cool idea, but it just wouldn't happen often enough. No, you're I not going to get a lot of value no, out of it. No. no, I don't think so. So let's go back forward and look at all of them and tell me which ones, which which one is, which one is you think going to be the strongest and then which one is going to be your favorite? I mean, I think the Malevolent Artifice is going to be pretty useful. Yes. Just overall. And of course, the Rapturous Sensation um, as well. Um, I think those are probably going to be the most popular choices. You think so? Choices, um, just with consistency and whatnot, but... Um, I mean, I like them all a little bit in yeah. one way or another, and I think I like the idea of a demon force that has a little bit of all of it in there. Yeah, for sure. I think I agree with your choices. I think that Malevolent Artifice, the ability to re-roll those armor saves, is really strong and will happen very frequently yeah. um, with this army because of their toughness. Yep. Um, I do think that Rapturous Sensation is probably offensively is it maybe the best one of them? I think it is the best offensively. Um, because the other one that I like, Ravenous Dissolution, the one where you assassinate, for me anyway, I'm, I'm seeing that as a way to assassinate characters of Death Stars. It's really effective, but it's only um, on the first turn of combat and only in specific situations. Right. So I like that for one unit. Um, Raptor Sensation, I could see that on a lot of things. But the other one that I do honestly like still is Encroaching Ruin. Uh, yeah. The, the preventing yourself from losing so much on uh, morale checks. Yeah. And then also the ability to move through cover. I think yeah. move through cover could potentially be big, especially with the way I'm imagining where people are playing on their tables. At least when we play, there's tons yeah. of terrain. Absolutely. So having that ability will be really, really useful. Yeah. And the the additional wounds uh, from the failed morale checks, when I ran a corrupted word bearers list, oh. you suffer that same thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's rough. <laughs> yeah. I think I lost more models to that. Really? Than anything else. Well, I could see I only see ran that. it one game, but... Well, I mean, and I, I could totally see it that. It went poorly. I could totally see that. But then the other thing, too, is that, like, um, the consistency of having a little... It, it gives you a sort of staying power. It does. Right? Yeah. And then, like, you can still move effectively throughout wherever the board is. And again, we I, it depends on how you deploy them or whatever. But if you're using Breach the Veil and you're trying to alpha strike this, mm. you know, or trying to put them on the board and, and to take something out or gum something up, you want as many models as you can to be there when they need to be there. So yeah. I think I think this is I think it's still pretty strong. Oh, I think it's great. I think Formless Distortion is one that I'm going to love. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And maybe it's good. Probably it's not. Maybe it's well, not. I, I mean, I don't see a situation, I mean, other than getting reach against charging a vehicle. Right. You're going to get something out of it. That's true. It's going to be useful. I think, um, I don't imagine that I would ever use Heedless Slaughter, but I'm not really a corn guy. So, like, when I make de my demon list eventually, I think it'll be a mixture of probably, like, I mean, I have a lot of Zinch demons. Yeah. And then probably his mixture of vaguely Slanesh and Zinch stuff. So I don't think this that Heedless Slaughter one's for me. Um, and Putrid Corruption is cool, but probably needs something else to be really looked at and say, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Looking at the map, I mean, definitely there are things that I could see really wanting it for. But I think if you're looking for a way to stay in the game longer, I think Malevolent Artifice is probably just better in yeah. most situations. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay, 
But let's get on and talk about the actual units here. So there are two special characters, and we're going to save those for the end. Um, but we're going to jump instead to talk about the Bound Demon, Demon Regent. Um, he is 130 points, and he is a single guy. It, really not a guy, warp entity. Anyway, the war gear is the Regent Blade, and um, if, the, the, if the, the Demon Regent has followers, the attendants, they get brute armaments. We'll talk about that in a minute. As far as unit type goes, they are uh, demons, and they are bound, and they are a character. And then the attendants are just demon bound. The special rules, they all have the etheric dominion, so you can choose where they go. They have the bound Malefica, so that attaches towards the bonuses or negatives, depending on, you know, if the psychers are on the table. The Hammer of Wrath base, so hey. There you go. Wow, that makes that... No, it's still terrible. Um, <laughs> ethereal vulnerability for the regent only, which means essentially a uh, four-plus invulnerable save, but it cannot be made against attacks with the force special rule, yep. which is cool. The Brutes, the Attendants, will have a five-plus invulnerable save. The Attendants have chosen warriors, which is great. They can take challenges... Uh, it looks like all of them are bulky three, and all of them are specifically traitor, which appropriate, appropriate. Of course. Yeah. Now you can take up to two demon attendants for forty-five points apiece. So for ninety points more, you're looking at the demon regent plus uh, plus two buddies for a cool two twenty. So the stat line: movement eight. The weapon skill for the regent is five. Only four for the attendants. Weapon yep. skill four. That's that's rough. That's rough. Ballistic skill, three for both of them. Strength, five for both of them. Toughness, six on the regent. Toughness, five on the attendants. Four wounds for the regent, only three on the attendants. Initiative, five for both, which is interesting. That's nice. Four attacks for the boss, three for the chumps. And uh, leadership, eight for the boss, seven for the regular guys. And a base four-plus armor save. Of course, there is an invulnerable save, which we already talked about beforehand. Yep. Okay, so the demonic armaments—they—they um, they each have uh, each of them have their own strike here. So the brutes will get brute armaments, which are user strength, AP three, melee, two-handed, murderous strike five plus, rending six plus, which is hilarious to me because you can roll a five plus murderous strike, but you know your friend can still take their two plus armor save, <laughs> you yeah. know. But rending six plus is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, having seen rules like this on, you know, the uh, Deathwing companions or the Tranic greatswords in general for Dark yeah. Angels, a five up and a five up is potentially really powerful, but also potentially really underwhelming if the dice don't play. Right. So this I think is I've maybe gotten two murderous strikes out of my Paragon blades. Right. And exactly. Everything else that I has it. Exactly. The Regent blade is user strength user AP two. Murderous Strike, 5+, plus, two-handed. And so, you know, for both of these, they're getting the Murderous Strike. But the Regent, at least, is going to just go straight to AP2. Yeah. Now, importantly, it's note that these are... They're striking at initiative with these things. Yeah. So they're striking at initiative 5. Really interesting, though, that weapon skill is yeah. lower than I would have thought it would be. Weapon skill 4 for the Demon Attendants is bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It definitely... Outclasses them with command squads and right. like that. Now, maybe that's fine because they're honestly not that expensive for their yeah. toughness and their wounds and their invulnerable save, and then plus whatever else you can like put onto them. Yeah. But um, that weapon skill four means a lot. 
in this edition. We've seen that. We've seen it, that time and time again. It, yeah. Okay, so the next squad is the Bound Demon Brutes, just in general, and it's the same stat line as above. Weapon skill four, most importantly. 135 points for a squad of three, and you can have up to three additional for 40 points apiece. So the main thing here is that they lose the Chosen Warriors rule. Yeah. So, you know, they're not, they don't have that. There is no character in this squad, however, so they can't accept challenges or challenge anyway. They're just going to be throwing... Fight us as we are. Fight us as we are. Um, They have the exact same... Exact same rules as far as brute armaments, whatever else, bulky three, traitor. So the biggest thing for me about these guys is that they're actually, I mean, the offensive capability may not be there as much as you want. It is AP three. Yeah. Um, They do have three, three attacks apiece. Yep. And they're swinging at initiative five. Yeah. Um, They're not going to hit against elite units. Not very well. They're going to, they're going to churn through. Standard Marines. Oh, yeah. And they're cheap, quite honestly. They are. 135 points. um, Add another 120 for six of these. So we're looking at, what, 255 points for six of these guys. Yeah. A total of six times three math. 18 wounds. There you go. It's cheaper than a five-man Galvor box squad. Is it? Or it's about the same price. About the same price? Okay. Well, I mean, they, they've got some, they've, there's some, there's some interesting things here. Yeah. And, you know, with the different, uh, the different dominions that you can put onto them. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what would I see putting on these? I think putting the, uh, armor save one on yeah. these guys would make them really scary. Yeah. Especially as like a tar pit unit. Mm-hmm. I think if you gave one of these squads, a maxed out version of this squad, for example, the one where you get the plus one to wound against independent characters, yeah. or plus one to hit, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it would be really nice because you can't be, a character can't hide in a challenge against these guys, right. because there isn't anyone for them to challenge. That's right. So you're just throwing wounds into the squad. It would be a really nice and relatively cheap way to tar pit like somebody's Death Star. Yeah. Uh, hold it for at least a turn. Yeah. And probably do some pretty serious damage in the meantime. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. I mean, for the only troops and elites choice that we have in this right. list, it's got a lot of versatility and potential. It doesn't have any ranged attacks whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't have any ranged so attacks you whatsoever. you can't get around that heedless slaughter. No. No. Heedless <laughs> slaughter, these dudes are just going. Yep. Full board. Absolutely. They do, however, have movement eight. They do. So they're so going to get there. They're going to get there. They got that <laughs> plus one to charge. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they move... Uh, the ballistic skill three totally pointless. Can it? Can they go down to ballistic skill two and get a, bl- a weapon skill five? That's not how that works. But um, yeah, uh, they're definitely they're t- they're going to be thick. Yeah, they're going to do some damage. They're going to be wounding with those cool swords, usually on regular marines at a three plus. Yeah, and so they're going to they're going to cause some they're going to cause some damage and they're going to stick around. Yeah. So I guess really you know I th- I think probably. They would be best served by the artifice to survive and stay around longer. Yeah. Unless they're unless you know you're going to be throwing them into a situation where their weapon skill four is not going to already be a hindrance. Right. Against a squad that is likely going to have a uh, independent character, a plus one to hit probably just means getting them back to a four plus. Yeah. So they're not going to be like churning through anybody no. by any stretch of the imagination. Not great. Not terrible. But a good use to use those cool demon brute models that Forge oh, yeah. World came out with a while ago. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, what we are all here for, we know it. It's time to talk about, time to talk about these characters. All right. Ben is going to take us through, as, as he's more of the corn boy uh, <laughs> than myself, we're going to have him take us through Bound Kabanda. Blood for the blood god. Indeed. All right. So, Kabanda, Bound, the demon general of Cygnus. So, um, we are, we've got, of course, the Bound character, demon subtypes, the gargantuan subtype, which is new, we'll talk about that, and, of course, the unique subtype. We've got a movement of eight, a weapon skill of eight, ballistic skill of five, eight strength and toughness and wounds, six initiative, seven attack space, and leadership nine with a three-up base save. He's got the armaments of Kabanda as his war gear, along with the Incarnadine wings. And his special rules, we have the Etheric Dominion, Heedless Slaughter, Bound Malefica, Etheric Invulnerability, four-up, Adamantium Will, 3+, Eternal Rivalry, Hammer of Wrath, D3, Hatred Sanguinius, <laughs> It Will Not Die, 5+, Rampage, D3+, 1, Scythe of Hatred, Traitor, and his Warlord trait, Skullkeeper. Alright, so let's start off with the Warlord trait. So, Carbanda must always be selected as an army's Warlord, even if it is not part of the primary detachment or an HQ choice. If chosen as the army's warlord, Kabanda automatically has Skullkeeper as its warlord trait and may not select any other. So that Skullkeeper warlord trait, all models with the demon unit type and the etheric dominion heedless slaughter special rule within 12 inches of Kabanda gain the rage 3 special rule. In addition, an army whose warlord has this trait may make an additional reaction in the movement phase as long as Kabanda has not been removed as a casualty. So, his demons are going to get hit hard on that charge. Yeah. Three extra attacks instead of just plus one for charging. That's gross. Is delightful. <laughs> now, I just was pulling this up. I want to point this out here because um, I had just thought of it right now mm -hmm. because, of, because of all the extensive prep work we do here. Of course. To start us. Um, it's in the name. Kabanda <laughs> actually has another profile already from when he was released last fall. Oh, Yes. And it's different. Yeah, he's unbound. He is unbound this way. Um, among other things, let's see here. So his movement and his weapon skill are the same. His ballistic skill, ha, and uh, strength and toughness are the same. Wounds are the same. He has... One less leadership. One less leadership. Because bound. He's bound right? Because he's bound. That actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm, of course. The other thing that's interesting here is that there are a couple of rules that are obviously changed or different um, here than they are otherwise. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read through his main rules, and then we'll compare them to the other ones. Sure. Getting into those special rules, of course, the etheric invulnerability, that invulnerable save working for him, except with those force weapons. Uh, the incarnadine wings, which is a difference in name from his other profile, where he has demonic wings. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if they actually function any differently. Let's find out. So at the start of the controlling player's movement phase or when entering play from reserves or via the Breach the Veil psychic power, a model with incarnadine wings may set its movement characteristic to a value of 14 for the duration of the controlling player's turn, sometimes referred to as activating this special rule. This allows a model with incarnadine wings to move up to 14 inches regardless of the movement characteristics shown on their profile 
and gain any other benefits of a movement characteristic of 14, including the bonus to charge distance. In addition, models with incarnadine wings that have been activated ignore terrain while moving and charging, but must take dangerous terrain tests as normal when beginning or ending their movement in dangerous terrain. A model with incarnadine wings that has been activated treats all difficult terrain as dangerous terrain and may move over both friendly and enemy models or units without penalty, but must end its move at least one inch away from any model from any other unit. A model with incarnadine wings may still run if it would normally be able to run. This does not allow units that include any model with the heavy unit subtype to run. When making a run move for a model with activated incarnadine wings, add the initiative characteristic of the model to 14 to determine how far it may move. The model ignores terrain and models from other units while making a run move with incarnadine wings as previously noted, but may not make shooting attacks or declare a charge in the same turn in which it has run as per the normal rules for running. During a reaction made in any phase, a player may not choose to activate a model's incarnadine wings to gain any bonus to its movement characteristic. The demonic wings rule, so I was just following along here, it's worded exactly the same, except for demonic wings is swapped out for incarnadine rings. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, the only difference is that there is a... A line here at the end, any models with demonic wings deployed as part of a ruin storm incursion may activate their demonic wings in the movement phase of the turn in which they enter play. Oh, and so And that's covered at the beginning of yeah. the Incarnadine wings, so they are they are identical. Pretty much identical. Okay. In their function. Please, sir, continue. Alright. The eternal rivalry. If Sanguinius is removed as a casualty while fighting in a challenge against Kabanda, Kabanda's controlling player scores two victory points. This is in addition to any points scored for Slay the Warlord. However, if Kabanda is removed as a casualty while fighting it is while it is fighting in a challenge against Sanguinius, Kabanda's controlling player instead loses one victory point. So Okay, and that is exactly the same in both versions as well. Oh good. <laughs> Consistent. Mm-hmm. The Scythe of Hatred. At the end of any assault phase, after the results of any combats have been worked out and sweeping advances and consolidations have been completed, Kabanda may make a special Scythe of Hatred attack. To resolve this attack, the controlling player places a Hellstorm template with the narrow end in contact with Kabanda's base. Any unit with models underneath the template suffer a number of automatic Strength 6 AP nil hits equal to the number of unsaved wounds caused by melee attacks made by Kabanda during the preceding assault phase. This does not include any modifiers to the score used to determine who won the combat. That is an awesome, flavorful, and cool rule. Also, word for word the same as the other version. Delightful. All right, but here, you check this out. This is a special rule which old Kabanda has, Miasma of Rage. Read that. Kabanda and any models with the Rage X or Rampage X special rule within 12 inches increase the value of those rules by 1. For example, Rampage D3 is increased to Rampage D3 plus 1. All right, now pause there for a second. So that's similar to the new Warlord trait that he has, right? So... He gives them Rage. Right. So they're both rules that are about or affecting that. So if they yeah. used to give a plus one, 
but then read the next line, which is the real interesting thing to me. Note that this rule affects the Rampage D3 granted by the Crimson Fury Etheric Dominion. Hello. So. So what Crimson Fury. Yeah. Is not an Etheric Dominion no. in this PDF. Previews of what's to come. Maybe. Hopefully. So does that mean that there are going to be different Dominions in the Unbound things? Are we only going to get a few available for the Bound supplement? Is that going to change? I have a feeling that we might have slightly different versions with tweaked names yeah. for each of these special rules for maybe. the Unbound Demons. That maybe make them a little different or a little more effective. Maybe... Having a bit of a buff. I'm not sure. That is really interesting, though. Like, it, it creates a, a difference in the style. I mean, this then becomes an entirely different type of list. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. So other than that, everything else is pretty much the same. One thing that's important to note is that um, in new Kabanda, uh, bound Kabanda, has a worse invulnerable save. Uh, because it's still a 4-plus invulnerable save, but old Kabanda's save is not impacted, affected, or altered in any way, shape, or form by any of those special rules. Right. Um, also, his leadership is lower. Um, and, yeah. The other thing, too, is that the old, his old one, Skullkeeper, his old Skullkeeper rule, said that any unit with a demon type and at least one model within six inches of Kabanda can add D3 to the total number of successful wounds caused for resolving which side won a combat. Oh, interesting. So it's a very different rule. And I think the one here, the bound one is better, but it is keyed into, um, it's keyed into the uh, Heedless the Slaughter Dominion, and, and Etheric Dominion. So that's sort of interesting. Yeah. So Gabanda here is much more focused on, like, staying with the corn thing, which I guess makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely different in that regard. So Rage 3 on top of that, the, these demonic brutes, if yeah. they're charging, that's, that's real good. Yeah, it is. That's very different. Because um, so, adding, uh, doubling their attacks, essentially, on the charge makes those brutes a lot stronger. And so I think that's, I guess, what you would see if you're bringing Kabanda. Yeah. Now, interestingly, Kabanda bound does have a ranged attack with the armaments of Kabanda. It's a six inch, strength six, AP two, assault seven ranged attack. What? <laughs> yep. Um, he's also got his, of course, melee version, which is strength user plus four, Gross. AP2, melee, two-handed, and Sunder. Strength 12, effective, yep. uh, with Sunder. Yeah, he's so, going to be body-slamming land raiders. He is going to be eating your tanks. What is his? What are his uh, demonic armaments in this edition, in the old one? Are they the same thing? Um, yep, they are. Okay, so, so yeah, same thing. So the same thing. All right. But his Still. ballistic skill is not entirely useless. Yay! Congratulations, Kabanda. <laughs> um, that Scythe of Hatred, though, is maybe my favorite rule that he has. Um, it's pretty neat. That's fun. It's. I mean, it, will, it won't come into play every time, but it is fun. Yeah. And I like that. Okay. So Bound Kabanda, I think I like the fact that his his leadership is a little reduced when he's bound. I, I like that, too. I mean, yeah. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, but definitely still useful. He's also 25 points more expensive when he's not bound. Oh. Yeah, because he's 550 yeah. normally, and he's, what, 525 on the other one? 
Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's right. Okay, cool. All right. All right, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to transition to Samus here, but I want to look something up first. Samus. Samus. Samus all around you. Hey, is there a regular Samus? Have um, we seen? We don't have rules for him. I don't. We don't have. We haven't seen one, right? No. Okay. All right, now here's the guy that I was waiting to see. Um, Samus. Samus is all around you. Um, bound Samus. 380 points, the end and the death, Demon Prince of the Primordial Annihilator. So his war gear is very simply the Blades of Samus. He is bound, he is monstrous, he is a character, and he is unique. Um, so let's go ahead and look at Monstrous and Gargantuan, actually, because I was actually wondering something about that here yeah. as well. So Gargantuan, uh, models of the Gargantuan unit, and this is for Kabanda, they have the Eternal Warrior and Fearless special rules. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah. Models of Gargantuan type are not affected by rules that negatively modify their characteristics. So you like can't... Like a Primarch. Like a Primarch, yep. yep. They are not slowed by difficult terrain and automatically pass dangerous terrain tests, yeah. which is great. Uh, but they may not pass through movable terrain, or end their move in movable terrain, etc., Models of Gargantuan count as 10 models for the purpose of determining if the model is outnumbered by another unit. Okay, that makes sense, too. Yeah. Okay, models with the Gargantuan unit subtype may only make reactions triggered by models with the Armager, Dreadnought, Primarch, or Vehicle unit type, or any model with the wounds characteristic of 8 or more, which is... I like that, I guess. Yeah. Um, successful wounds scored by attacks of the Poison or Fleshbane special rule must be re-rolled against models with the Gargantuan unit subtype. A model with Gargantuan may attack with all weapons they have in each shooting phase. Yeah, okay, that doesn't matter much here. Uh, including as part of a reaction. A model with Gargantuan type may make shooting attacks with heavy ordnance. Counting as stationary. Again, doesn't matter, but cool to know. No model that does not have the Gargantuan unit subtype may join a model that includes a model with the Gargantuan unit subtype. And a model with Gargantuan unit subtype ignores all effects, both detrimental and beneficial, of all psychic powers and cannot be wounded or affected by any attack with the Psychic Focus special rule? Except for Force Weapons. Egg wounds with the Force special rule that are used to make attacks against the model of Gargantuan are not affected and resolved normally. Okay, yeah. so that's interesting. The so Force Weapons still work. Yeah, but your uh, Psychic Powers are too puny yes, for the mighty Kabanda. That's probably accurate. Okay, so that's Kabanda. So Kabanda, one, I think most importantly, Kabanda doesn't hide, which makes sense because he's yeah. a... Thick, thick lad. Yep. Um, but what about Samus? What does Monstrous do, Ben? All right. So the following rules apply to models with the Monstrous subtype. A unit that includes any models with the Monstrous subtype cannot be pinned. A model with the Monstrous subtype may fire all weapons they are equipped with in each shooting phase, in each shooting attack they make, including as part of a reaction. A model with the Monstrous subtype may fire heavy and ordnance weapons and counts as stationary even if it moved in the preceding movement phase and may declare charges as normal regardless of any shooting attacks made in the same turn. No model with, that is not also monstrous may join a unit that includes a monstrous model. Okay, so it's a similar sort of restriction. So Samus is also standing out there with himself in the wind, unless, let's see here, the, the no, they're not. The brutes are not monstrous. No. And so there's nothing in this list. This guy's also all alone. He's got seven wounds. Uh, but man, that's not great. Okay, so let's talk about Bound Samus. He's 380 points, as said before. So he's movement 8, weapon skill 6, good for you. Ballistic skill 5, totally pointless, as it matters for him. Strength 8, 
weapon, uh, toughness seven, wound seven, initiative seven, four attacks, nine leadership, and a three plus armor save. So he does have a whole heap of special rules. He is attached to the encroaching ruin uh, discipline, which is great. Um, that's the one where you're only taking a single wound yep. and for a leadership fail. And then also there is the uh, the fact that we're ignoring cover. Yeah. Bound Malefica, Ethereal, ethereal Invulnerability 4+, Empyrean Avatar, which is something we'll have to read about, Whispers of Madness, Fleet 2, so this boy's fast, It Will Not Die 5 Up, Rage 3, Bulky 7, which is wild yeah. to me. Um, but whatever. Take that, Fulgrim. Yeah. Move through cover as it is. But yeah, that's right. Take that, Fulgrim. Uh, <laughs> move through cover, but that's already included with uh, the Etheric Dominion, and they even note that in here. Traitor. Um, and then the, the Warlord trade is the end of the death. Okay. So Samus may always be selected as an army's Warlord, even if it's not part of the primary detachment or an HQ choice. May be selected. Not required to, but maybe. If chosen, bound Samus replaces the Imperium Avatar special rule with the Eternal Warrior special rule and automatically has the end and the death special rule. Uh, it's Warlord trait, maybe not selected, any other, etc., etc. The end and the death. When fighting in a challenge, successful invulnerable saves taken against Bound Samus's attacks must be re-rolled. That's rough. In addition, any army with Bound Samus's Warlord may make an additional reaction during the movement phase, so long as he's not been removed as casualty. Okay, so... That's big because with strength eight, with his sword, uh, with, with his attacks, I'm sorry, the blades of Samus, he is going to cause instant death yeah. on quite a few things. Yep. So being made to reroll those saves, that's a big deal. Yeah, he is okay. the end and the death indeed. He, he is the end and the death. Okay, so ethereal invulnerability, a model to special rule gains an invulnerable save equal to the list in the brackets. As said before, it cannot be taken against weapons with the four special rule. So as we said. So here's the special rule that matters depending on whether or not Samus is the warlord. Uh, Empyrean Avatar. When a model of this special rule suffers an unsaved wound with instant death, it is not immediately removed as a casualty, but rules instead loses D3 wounds for each of its unsaved wound with the instant death special rule inflicted on it. So if he's warlord, he just gains the eternal warrior and loses this rule entirely. Yeah. But otherwise, this is how he's protected from being squatted yeah. or you know squashed. Now, I will say, if you're not going to take him as a warlord, he has to stand on his own. Um, there aren't a ton of instant death shooting attacks, but there are enough. Um, he's going he's gonna to struggle to survive. He does have a 3-plus armor save and the 4-plus, and he does a 4-plus invulnerable save. He also gets a will-not-die 5-up, yeah. but still, he might have a hard time making it across the board. Yeah, I mean, you could potentially chew through him with a massed auto cannon fire or exactly like that pretty easily pretty easily okay so the next rule and i like this one whispers of madness it has a couple of different benefits the first one if samus has been placed in reserves and has not yet arrived in the battlefield reserves rolls made by an opposing player to bring units are modified by negative one yep this modifier does not stack with any other negative modifiers to reserve rolls use the highest one any model within 18 inches of Bound Samus must reduce its leadership by two when making psychic checks. So a free uh, psychic hood, I guess. Yeah. This modifier is cumulative with other effects that reduce leadership. So so your loyalist esot esoterist mm -hmm. um, coming up against an esoterist with a psychic hood on the trader side along with a Bound 
Kabanda is not going to want to make any psychic right, checks. Right, 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 right. While locked in combat, Samus increases the value of its fear one special rule to fear two. Yeah. So... The fear. It's scary. It's scary. Whispers of Madness. <laughs> okay, and then finally, Blades of Samus. Um, this is counted as a single weapon. It's considered to be demonic for the rules that affect such weapons. The strength user, which is 8, AP2, Melee, Armor Bane, uh, and Murderous Strike 5-Up. Yeah. So Murderous Strike 5-Up, of course, is good. Yeah. Um, there are, with Strength 8... You're already instant death on most things on the board. Right. But, but it will be more useful against, like, dreads. Dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And actually, Armor Bane also is going to be more useful against Dreads because Armor Bane allows you to reroll failed wounds. So you're feeling pretty good if somebody throws a, a Leviathan or whatever against your Samus. Yeah. Um, especially when you're striking at Initiative 7. Yes. This is a fun model. Yeah. And I love, I love the way this plays, and I definitely think I'm going to have to get a Samus. Um, I don't know what list I would bring him with as far as, like, because this would be like the, you know, this would be like the the allied detachment. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure what traders I would bring him with because I mean maybe night lords. Yeah, I was just saying that would be kind of fun. Yeah, uh, a night lord esoterist might be fun to model. A night lord esoterist would be way fun to model. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's what we well, that's what we're looking at or thinking about in the near future. If that sounds fun. Yeah, and of course I'll be running them with my word bearers when I get around to this. That's absolutely true. Yep. Do you think you're gonna get a commander? Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, it's a beautiful model. It is. It's gorgeous. And I do want one. Yeah. All right. So um, just uh, that, that's it for this PDF. There's not a lot of other stuff on here. The, the mission looks fun. I did not look at the mission yeah. yet. Um, talk a bit about it. So, you, so we have Disrupt the Ritual. Um, you've got the Defender, which is performing the ritual, and the attacker who is attempting to thwart them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to bring some demons, uh, bound demons, of course, and a, a detachment of those um, as part of this. Um, you get three ritual objectives in your deployment zone, mm-hmm. and then the defender places, uh, the attacker places two more outside your deployment zone uh, with some pretty standard um, de- objective deployment options. Okay. But if, when you control those objectives, when you summon in your demons... Uh, your benefit, you get a plus one benefit to your roll uh, for each objective you hold. Oh. So instead of, oh, let's see here. Let me, so let's just swing through this here. So it says if the defender controls a ritual side objective at the end of their end player turn, they score one victory point. If the attacker controls an objective at the end of their player turn, they destroy the objective, remove it from play, and score D3 points. So attackers want to get to them and destroy them uncontested, and then you get D3 points, but you can't repeat that, while yep. the defenders can. If, a, if an attacker causes an enemy unit to be entirely removed as casualties, units that fall back off the battlefield count, before the defender performs a deep strike assault, they score a victory point. If the enemy unit was also an elite's choice or an HQ choice, then an additional victory point is gained. If the defender successfully performs a deep strike assault, they score five victory points. Okay. Yeah. So we're calling in demons right. left and right as you're trying to wreck our ritual and keep us from doing it. I love this for a narrative uh, moment in a, like a campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. We will have to we'll have to play this out. Oh yeah. I don't know what I'm going to take against your word bearers and demons, but we're going to have to take we're going to have to play this out sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So 
I'm I'm happy with that. Let's yeah. see here. Anything else? Demonic reinforcements, deep, deep strike for no additional cost. Okay. So they got a way for it to come in, and they're using the deep strike rules instead of anything else. That's yeah. cool. Awesome. Yeah. It looks like fun. So obviously this is only a teaser of what we're going to see oh, yeah. for demons. And, uh, you know, I it, can't wait for that full list. So it was said that we should get finally, that they claimed anyway, GW claimed that they were waiting on the Cadian release to the put militia. the militia so yeah. that you could buy those new plastics. And I, I guess I can see that, you know, fine. Um, it's a good excuse. It's a good else. excuse, if anything else. <laughs> Um, so probably see that out soon, and I will definitely dig into that because I've got some Krieg models that are just sitting in a box that need to be turned into a uh, militia detachment at some point, uh, if only to get mowed over by Marines, but whatever. <laughs> um, but the demons, the rest of the demons coming this summer, I think is what we were told. Yeah. And so hopefully sooner in the summer than later so that we can actually get some stuff done in them so we can bring them for Horsey Heresy in October. That would be great. But do you I mean do you like what you see? What are your thoughts? Oh, I I like it. It's it's a nice taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got me excited. I was going to start building a demon army last summer, but I was holding off, right. waiting for rules, right? Because it's primarily going to be for Heresy, of course. Right. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me, the, the slight disappointment here, is the entire lack of diversity in the models on this bound list. I think that's pretty lame, yeah. to be honest, because it's essentially one unit, and yeah. then like an HQ version of that unit. Yep. Um, even just like one more like type for us to play with or whatever, just yeah. to add some diversity. But at least it gives us an idea of what's coming. And for those people who... Act, honestly... The biggest win here is the Kabanda purchasers oh, who, yes. who have been sitting there wondering what the hell do I do with this thing? Yeah. Uh, since other than the, stare at it admiringly. Than, yeah, exactly. And sacrifices of blood and skulls. Yeah. But now, but now the Kabanda players who've been sitting and waiting can actually finally put that thing into a detachment and get it on the board somehow. So good for you all, Kabanda players. All right. So anyway, um, you can look forward to seeing Ben and I on Thursday. No, Friday. Of this week for the tag team event. Indeed. Playing neither word bearers or demons. Nope. But Mechanicum and Salamanders. Absolutely. So hopefully we see some of you at the table. Stop and say hi. Um, we will be... Well, I don't want to say what we will be. <laughs> we will be there. We will be there. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you so much, uh, Dark Apostle Ben, for making the time. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this um I guess it's officially the 10th episode, although technically there were two partial episodes before this, so it's really episode 12. That doesn't matter. We didn't have to count right. This is Ineptus Astartes. Really appreciate you uh, sticking with the podcast and listening, um, and I tried really hard to get this out today, at least right at the start of Adepticon. Maybe some of you are driving right now. Get a chance to pop this thing on and let me massage your ears for just a little while. I really hope I'm seeing a lot of you at Adepticon uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, or Friday and Saturday. Um, if not, I hope you're having a good week, good week and uh, hope you have a great weekend, get some hobbying done, and uh, look forward to more new content coming very soon. Thank you. Take care.